You are listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We believe God is going to meet you right where you are today as you listen and dig into His Word. we thank you for your presence here in this place. We thank you for your word today. God, would you meet us here and would you instruct us through your word? Would you change us as we come together as your body in your presence? Thank you, Holy Spirit, for instructing us and teaching us and illuminating the scripture in such a way today that we will be changed, conformed into your image. Thank you, Father, for the body of Christ, your church, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, three people said amen, that's good. Let it be, Lord. Good morning and welcome to In Focus Church. Again, uh, thankful for all of you who are watching with us online, wherever you may be watching from. And then also for those of you who are here today in person as well, we're so glad that you are here. We're in week four of our series, Lines in the Sand. We're talking about the deep and oftentimes contentious lines that we will draw in the sand as it relates to our lives. And I'm not talking about the world. I'm not talking about people out there somewhere that, of course, there's a lot of fighting and bickering and arguing. I'm talking to us as Christians. I'm talking about believers and our response to one another as the church, the body of Christ. The truth of the matter is we've gone through this, these different sides, if you will, of lines that both sides, if you will, that I've talked about have merit. Both of them are, are not inherently wrong. Both of them have areas that God would change and then things that he would agree with. And so it's not that our differences are wrong. It's not that differences are bad if we handle them correctly. And if we'll handle them correctly, because oftentimes we don't, God can use them. It's actually like this. Instead of allowing our differences to be a source of growth and diversity, we fall into making them a source of tribalism and disunity. And that's where we need God's help. Because I stated this last week, I've said it throughout this series, Christian tribalism is not an option for the people of God. As people of the cross, we've been called to a better, higher, more loving way, a unified way. Jesus came to remove the us-against-them mentality that often keeps us divided. And he came so that we could be one, that he would make us one as he is one, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Ironing, sharpening iron actually is fine. The Bible gives leverage and gives us precedent for that that's something that we're supposed to do and we should do better at that because oftentimes we don't but as I said to someone that I care about recently I said this very these very words I will fight alongside you I will fight for you but I will not fight against you 
As the body of Christ, we know that God has made a way to where we are not fighting against flesh and blood. We're not fighting against one another. Our battle is not with each other, but against the powers and the principalities of this dark age. It's against the enemy of our souls, God's enemy, which is your enemy, Satan. That's the battle. That's the fight. And he gives us spiritual weapons for this warfare. As we just sang a moment ago, one of those weapons is the worship and the praise of Jesus, exalting his name. This is how I fight my battles and this is always how I fought my battles to worship Jesus and to extol and to exalt his name above all things those days of fighting against each other are over because of the cross and our battle is not with one another so let's turn to God's word this morning we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 2 I read this last week, and I am starting off each of these messages or at least I'll try to with this particular passage of scripture because I think it illustrates what we are doing and what we're trying to do. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13, to help us embrace the way of peace and peacemakers. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. So what is very clear as we read this passage of Scripture, this amazing truth, is that tribalism, infighting, hostility are not indicative of Jesus and his kingdom, and they're not indicative or supposed to be indicative of God's people, his children, the kingdom of God, the church. Jesus is both our peace and peacemaker. Jesus Christ is the only one, no one else has solved the problem of our relationship with God, making peace between you and I and God and peace between one another with other people. That dividing line is what he came to break down so that we can have a relationship with God and with each other in the church. He draws people to God and he draws people to one another. We don't look like him when we are fighting with one another. We don't exhibit his character. We don't look like his heart. We don't look like the church that he has made us to be. Well, you know what, Pastor Brent? I just think it would be better for me if I just had nothing to do with church, particularly this church and probably no church for that matter. I'll just have my own personal relationship with Jesus Christ And I'm just going to go home and do that. I think I could do that much better. That would be much easier. And let me just agree with you. It would be much easier. But easy and biblical often do not coexist. The only thing that I know of that the Bible says is easy is his yoke. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. But everything else that I see is the way of the cross. It's taking up my cross daily. It's laying down my life. It's serving others. It's being humble and lifting up other people. It's not easy, but it is right. It's not easy, but it is biblical. And unfortunately, the easier way is the sentiment of too many people who call themselves Christians, and it's not the way of the cross. It's not the way of God. Happens all the time. People come, people go. People come, people go. If COVID proved anything early on as it relates to the church in America, it's that many people were just looking for an excuse and a reason to move on from the local institutional church. Now, listen to me. I'm not saying that if you're at home or 
uh, if you're not coming to church because of concerns that you've left the church. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there have been plenty of people that have. It was just, I just need a reason to sneak out while nobody notices. And when we're all sheltering in place and all we're doing is being online, then I can go and I can never go back and, and that'll be the easiest way. Easier, but not right. And so the reality is we've seen in America as regular church attendance, even when we've been allowed to come back or if we go back into a sheltered place, who knows what's going to happen. But the reality is the church has shrunk and many people were looking for that ability and that moment and that excuse to move on from the institutional church. And that's what I want to look at today, personal faith versus the institutional church. Because you can find a lot of books and a lot of authors that just say you and your coffee and your favorite podcast is all you need. And then on the other side, we have the local church, the body of Christ. And what I want you to understand is that it's both and. It's personal and it's also corporate. Jesus is outside the lines of our personal faith or just the local church. And we often draw these lines in the sand and it's an either or for us. And Jesus wants us to know in this case it's a both and. It's a both and. So I'd like to start off by reading a quote from N.T. Wright. N.T. Wright's an English New Testament scholar, Pauline theologian, Anglican bishop. And I thought this was very powerful. He says this, we've been so soaked in the individualism of modern Western culture that we feel threatened by the idea of our primary identity being that of the family we belong to. Especially when the family in question is so large, stretching across space and time, and I would say so diverse. The church isn't simply a collection of isolated individuals all following their own pathways of spiritual growth without much reference to one another. It may sometimes look like that and even feel like that. And it's gloriously true that each of us is called to respond to God's call at a personal level. There's that side of the line, that personal response that we have to make. You can hide in the shadows of the back of the church for a while, but sooner or later you have to decide whether this is for you or not. Now that's not to say anything about those of you sitting in the back today or sitting at home. This is proverbial, kind of metaphorical, and there's no shadows in here, so you can see each other. But as you all know, if you don't know, I'll tell you, because I'll tell you a lot, I love the local church. I love the local church. I, my wife, and our family have laid our life down for the local church. It's God's plan A for the earth and the gospel. But also know that the church itself has certain problems. I get it. I understand that. And as much as I don't believe in a churchless Christian, I also do not believe and never want to be a Christless church. That would obviously contribute to somebody not wanting to be a part of the church. If they don't see Jesus and all they see is me and you not acting like Jesus, then I don't need any of that. I got plenty of that elsewhere. I got some of that somewhere else in my life. I don't need that here. So I don't want that. But let's be very clear. The church was God's idea. Not mine, not, not man's. The church was God's idea. And I don't think Jesus would be okay with a churchless Christian since he refers to the church as his bride. The bride of Christ. And the Bible is clear, except in places where the church may not exist yet, Christians aren't meant to relate to God apart from the body of Christ called his church. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 is clear. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually, you're members of it. 
where the body of Christ individually were members of this. Or Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of what? The body of Christ. This is what this is all about. The equipping of you and I as the body of Christ through the leaders, pastors, teachers, evangelists, all prophets, all the things that God works through in the earth today to equip his church to do the work of ministry, to be the body of Christ outside these four walls. And despite the whatever it is, 50% decline post-COVID, despite being constantly maligned in culture and marginalized and memed and made fun of, the local church is still God's plan A and his only plan for his children to become more like Christ and to spread the gospel in the earth today. So if you claim to be one of his children The goal is not to abandon his family because it gets difficult, but become a better part of his family. I mean, walking away doesn't help. But as I continue to seek God and to allow him to change me from the inside out, I become a better part of that family. Now, one of the things I've heard over the years, and I've had all kinds of conversations with people about the church, and I'm leaving, or I'm going to do this, or I'm moving on, and And I've had all these kind of conversations, and one thing that I'll hear every now and then, or maybe often is, I just want, I want to be like the church in the New Testament. Good. Because they were jacked up too. I mean, I look at the church in the New Testament, like, why can't we be like the New Testament church? We are. We're just like them. I mean, Do you think or do you realize that all these letters that the Apostle Paul is writing to these churches is because they needed some serious help? They weren't doing things the way Paul had taught them or they knew about how to love one another. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 13, known as the the love chapter, right? And it wasn't just written for your grandma's cross stitch. It wasn't just written for a nice little magnet on the refrigerator. It was written to the church at Corinth because they weren't loving each other well. They they weren't being applauded for doing this. They were being corrected for not doing this. Not loving with patience and kindness and all of the things we're supposed to love one another with. He wasn't talking to the, the bride and the groom. He was talking to his bride about how we're supposed to reflect Jesus. This is who you are. But you're not acting like it. Hey, the church at Corinth had all kinds of other issues too. But you know what? Paul Paul fought for them. Paul fought alongside of them. You know why? Because church is spiritual family. And you don't give up on, walk out on, quit on your spiritual family. We have a membership class happening here today. It already took place. During our first service, and Pastor Keevan was teaching that today, and Pastor Wills taught some, and some of our other pastors and leaders will cover some of these other classes. Many of you have been through this before, and maybe some of you will the next time we do this. But I want you to know this when you join this church, you are joining one of the most incredible churches in the world, in my opinion. And you want to know why I believe that? Because this is my family. Look, I love family. And I believe in the family, but I love mine the most. I love you and your family and your kids, but I love mine the most. And I love the church. I love the universal church. 
all over the world. It's a beautiful tapestry that God has woven together of all kinds of different people from all kinds of nations. But I love this one the most because it's my family, my spiritual family. So get this, you are joining your imperfect self to a group of imperfect people who are going to grow together to further form an ever-growing imperfect community of believers that along with Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit will start living life together in the way that God intended and, yes, outlined for us in the New Testament with a living hope and a beautiful future that we all have together in Christ alone. That's the church. And the truth is, God has designed it so that we are better together, together as the body, together as a spiritual family, together as the church. Paul approached the church the way we should as well, by seeing what she is supposed to be and not just fixating on what she currently may be. This is actually in the vows that I do for everyone that I've ever married. And I married quite a few people in this church and maybe even in this room but I portion particular portion of the vows will look at the husband and the wife and I'll say in these that I'm going to focus more on who she is than on who she isn't I'm going to focus more on who he is than on who he isn't I'm going to see them more as they really are in Christ than just what we're going through right now in this moment that is not making me like you all that much. This is how I am going to persevere. This is how I am going to love like 1 Corinthians 13 tells me to love. Focus on what the church is instead of what the church isn't. And Paul is doing this. He looks at the broken local church and instead of seeing all the brokenness that is there, he sees beauty. He looks at all of the sinners that are there because we all are called according to God's grace. And instead of seeing a bunch of sinners, he sees saints and he calls them that. And you may not always like your family, but you love them. And when it comes down to it, they've all you got. Just like I used to tell my two oldest boys, they were only 16 months apart. And when they would fight, like brothers do, I would get so mad. And then I would correct them, and I would be, I mean, it, nothing, I'd tell them, nothing makes me more mad than when y'all fight with each other. It just makes me so mad. You're brothers. And then the more mad I got, the more they'd laugh at me. And that would make me even more mad. Because they just thought it was hilarious that I was mad. Or I had, you know, it's like, Dad, I'm like, what are you laughing at? Dad, your angry face is just so funny. And I mean, as, then at that point, I'm like, I start to kind of get tickled, but it's like, all right, stop it. I'm mad. But, you know, I'd, I'd grab them, you know, Caleb and Josiah, and I'd say, listen to me. You're brothers. And as you get older and everybody else walks away from you and, and the friends that you thought you had aren't your friends anymore, you're all you got because you're family. Now, you can ask them how it came across to them. That's how it came across to me. But that's true. We're our, we're our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we fight together with one another. As I said a moment ago, part of the Christian life is learning to love people that are hard to love. I want you just to think about it right now as I scan through the audience and look at your faces. 
Is there anybody in this congregation that's hard to love? If you can't think of anybody, it's probably you. In all seriousness, this is who God has called us to do life with, to live life together, loving one another biblically, and that is persevering with your family instead of abandoning your family because that's exactly what Jesus did for you and me. He persevered with us and persevered all the way to the cross and all the way to the end. As a matter of fact, he said, I'm going to be with you to the end of the age. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You have to learn how to love difficult people because that's what Jesus does for you when you're difficult. And guess what we need to help us form and shape the kind of love Paul describes in 1 Corinthians 13? We need the local church. We need the local church if we're going to actually live that out. The hard and necessary work of reconciliation does not happen in isolation. It happens in relationships. You going to reconcile yourself to yourself? Reconcile yourself to your podcast? Reconcile yourself to your favorite preacher on TV? Right? Listen, the reality is you can't do that. You can't, you, the hard necessary work of reconciliation, of peacemaking, of relational perseverance, of loving the unlovely is not something that you're going to do and seek out on your own. But listen, you don't have to worry. Don't worry. You don't have to seek it out because all you got to do is be a part of the local church and it'll find you like smoke finds you around a fire. You ever been at a fire like, you know, and burning like bonfire and it's like wherever you go the smoke goes and you're just like what is going on and then somebody goes oh well smoke just follows sweet people (laughs) so let me get this right smoke follows sweet people mosquitoes bite sweet people I just want to be a mean person then (laughs) I'm good being mean and the truth of the matter is the local church, watch this, is your own personal lab experiment to walk in the grace of God and learn how to learn, love other people that aren't like you, that don't look like you, that may not act like you. But the reality is, it reminds me of Romans 5.8, but God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This scripture reminds me that I can't quit. We can't quit. Why? Because Jesus didn't quit on us. Can we claim to love Jesus and reject the church whom he effectually calls his bride? That's a rhetorical question, and the answer is no. Can we accept his free gift of salvation and grace and patience and kindness and forgiveness and refuse to give that to other people the same way? Again, rhetorical. The answer is no. Remember how each of us became a part of this family in the first place. Was it by anything that we did? Was it by anything that God said, oh, I like them? No, the scripture is very clear. It's by grace alone. Nothing that I did to deserve this, but by grace alone I've been saved. For by grace you've been saved, Ephesians 2.8, right? Through faith. And this is not your own doing. This is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. We don't get to choose our family. Did anybody get say, hey, God, did anybody get that when you got here? No, you got your mom and your dad, whatever that was. That's who you, your brothers, your sisters, that's who you got. 
And I believe Psalm 68.6 says it's the same way in the spiritual family sense that if we will listen and trust the Spirit of God to lead us, it says that he puts the lonely in families, that I'm not just looking for another cereal box on a cereal aisle when it comes to my church. I'm looking for a family to be a part of, to live with, to walk through life with. Holy Spirit, would you show me the family that I'm supposed to be a part of? And this is how we begin to fight alongside one another. We fight for one another because we share a common heritage and a common inheritance in Christ. Here's the deal. When God called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, when he saved you, he made you a part of his church. Matter of fact, when people say, well, I want to join the church, it's like, well, you cannot. We talk about this in our membership class, our very first one. Matter of fact, we had a couple of people that said, I want to give my life to Christ in our membership class because this is what we're saying. You cannot be a member of the local church until you're a member of Christ's body, at least biblically speaking, and that comes through salvation alone. Now, you can join and you can say all the right things, but that's just a club. We're made a part of the body by grace through faith alone. And that makes us a part of the church. And then we have a local outworking of the institutional church where we begin to live out this life of loving one another the way Christ called us to love one another. But God and his church are a package deal. They come together. Just like your spouse and their family is a package deal. And I know that hit a little bit different with Thanksgiving coming up right now, didn't it? Like, you're already thinking about it. Some of y'all, you got to, it's all worked out, you're fine. Others of you, still working on it. I'm not very thankful for Thanksgiving, God. Now, I, I mean, I like most of my in-law family, most of them. But when I married Carla, her family became my family and vice versa. And when you got put a part of God's family, he puts you in this family. And yes, he calls you individually, but he doesn't ever call you as a mere individual. Everything that the Bible talks about is this corporate idea of what we are as the body of Christ. It's corporate. We like to make it very personal, and it has some personal implications, but it is all worked out in the sense of the corporate body, the church. And though God's call is individually, he calls us into community. And the only way for us to grow as Christians is to be a part of God's family through the good and the bad and the ugly. No matter what, we're family. When they're at their best and when they're at their worst, they're my family. When I agree with them and when I disagree with them, they're my family. When they voted for so-and-so and I voted for hootie who, they're my family. I actually wrote, that's who I wrote, I voted for hootie who. I wrote them in. No, I'm kidding, I didn't. Y'all don't know. Y'all know what I did. See, this is a metaphor throughout the Bible. And we see this familial language all throughout the Word of God. God is our Father. Jesus is our husband. The, The Holy Spirit is what? What we all need. A good counselor. He's the counselor for this dysfunctional family. And we are spiritual brothers and sisters, sons and daughters adopted into this family. And like it or not, all the time, God gave me to you and he gave you to me. We're family, and we're supposed to stay together because we're better together. We can't just jump ship when things get difficult or frustrating. God said from the beginning, together is better than being alone, and nothing's changed. 
Everything that he has done, even through the work of Jesus Christ, has been what? So that we can be reconciled to God and not be alone ever. And reconciled to one another and not be alone ever. So that we never have to walk alone. We walk alone without him, but with him we walk alongside him and we walk alongside one another. I was thinking about, you know, the length of time. And listen, there are things in life that move us. In case you think I'm just preaching that like you sign your life away and, you know, you never can leave this church once you come in. It's like the Hotel California or something. You check in, but you can never get out. That's not what I'm saying. For those of you who are my age or older, you're like, oh, everybody else is like, what? So the truth of the matter is, is that I have found there's no time limit on God working in and through your life. Like there's no expiration date of him working in you. And on you. Like you haven't figured it out. Like, well, I've been here 10 years, brother. And I'm sick of this. It could be right now that God's finally got your eyes open enough to see what he's trying to change in your life. And now you're going to walk away? Okay. There's no, well, it's been five years or it's been six years or it's been 10 years. It is until God is coming back and until he returns and lets us be home with him in heaven forever. He is continually shaping you, working on you, molding you, changing you. And he does it within the context of his body, the church. And oftentimes I believe that when we stop getting agreed with and God starts to challenge some things in our hearts, challenge some things in our lives, challenge some things in our thinking, and sharpen us like iron is when we go, no, I'm done. I'm going to go somewhere where I can just be encouraged. The truth is, is we don't come together unless God puts us together. And I believe that he's called us together. If we're going to be better together, if we're going to stay together, then here's the deal. We have to learn from our differences and grow. Instead of dividing over our differences, let's learn from them. Let's begin to grow. Unity cannot happen without diversity and differences. Conformity, yes, to Christ alone. But our diversity remains even when we're conformed to Christ. And the unique way that he's made us is what he uses to shape and sharpen us to be more like him. And when I think about our current congregation, man, I was thinking about this this week. I was so excited. I was so thrilled about and humbled about how different this church is, even than what it was a couple of years ago, but who God is, is making us to be as we submit to him to do whatever it is that he's called us to do as in focused church and how different we are in so many ways. Baby boomers all the way to Gen Z, white, black, Hispanic, Asian, Latino, introverts, extroverts, affluent people, and people who are struggling with poverty. Single, married, widowed, divorced, educators, doctors, lawyers, nurses, military men and women, homemakers and CEOs, athletes and blue-collar workers, happy and hurting people, lonely and connected people, homeschoolers, private schoolers, public schoolers, people with PhDs and people with special needs, saints and sinners, and here we are all together as the beautiful community called the Church of Jesus Christ. I want you to understand that we don't come together as a church because we're natural allies. We come together as natural enemies because we have been loved by Jesus. Is that the truth, right? We were an enemy of God's. 
Therefore, we were enemy of one another. And you see this, apart from Christ, that's all we are as enemies, trying to find every way that we can to not like that person or to hate that person or to remove that person. But in Christ, he makes natural enemies brothers and sisters. And it's our differences that we see the church is not like the local country club. It's a spiritual family. We don't pay our dues to belong. We don't pay our dues and then we just say, well, hey, I paid my dues and I, and I want this club to look like this and I want us to do this and I don't want us to do that. You know what? We don't pay our dues to be a part of the church. Jesus paid what was due on our behalf with his blood on the cross and he called us together to be one as his church and body. And he's Lord over all. So we're supposed to grow beyond just tolerating one another to being challenged by one another. To being changed because of who we are. To look more like Jesus. To be a true expression of love and unity in the earth for the world around us. To see that there's something different about being in Jesus' family. That's why I really can't stand that. There's a couple of bumper stickers that just make me want to hit people's cars. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bump into you. Reminds me of fried green tomatoes. I got more insurance than you. I'm 50. I got lots of insurance. It says, one says tolerance. Can't stand it. Or coexist. Can't stand it. Now, if you have one of those, it's okay. I love you. I just can't stand that bumper sticker. Because God didn't call me just to tolerate my brothers and sisters in Christ. God didn't just call me to coexist with people that he died for. He called me to love them. And he called me to be family. And it's actually what he does in the church. Listen, I tolerate a headache or heartburn or back spasms. But not you. And if you're tolerating me, then, then take something. Like, you're not supposed to just tolerate me. This is a place where we become the closest of friends because in the church we're actually called a true friendship, a friend that sticks closer than a brother, where we become the closest of friends with people that we would have never have befriended anywhere outside of the church. Ooh, that's good. What does that look like? This is a place where we find our common ancestry, spiritually speaking, is greater than our common interests and likes here. That our shared love for Jesus is greater than our shared love for gardening or football. That having been united with Jesus, we've also been united with one another in the church. Because people tend to surround themselves and unite themselves with other people that are just like them. Those who share the same hobbies, that share the same political views, share the same type of socioeconomic background, possess the same ethnicity, or have similar jobs. But the body of Christ is very different. And because of what Jesus did on the cross, it crosses every racial, cultural, social barrier that we might throw up. And it unites a people together under one banner, and that's the name of Jesus Christ. So here's the one point today. You need the church, and the church needs you. Pretty simple. You need the church, and the church needs you. 
If I could go down the line and look at each of you in the eye, I would and remind you of this truth in case you've forgotten. You need the church. And the church needs you. We're better together. God's plan has always been the best plan, and his plan for making you and me look more like Jesus is the church. In all of our imperfections, in all of our difficulties. And as we live in the company and the friendship of people who are not like us, the unique expressions of God in them tend to rub off on me. And maybe it rubs me the wrong way for a while, but eventually, if God's using that, it'll also rub me in a way that I look more like Jesus. God uses that so that we can be better versions, Christ-like versions of ourselves. Let me close with 1 Corinthians 12. And then just a little bit of who this is as far as in focus is concerned. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. One, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. See, because of my uniqueness and how God made me, like it or not, I and only I in this season and place can bring certain things out of you that God wants to bring out of you. And it's the same with you. Certain things that God wants to bring out of me that he's going to use you to do uniquely. The moment any part of the body is removed, the body is weakened. We're designed to be one body with many differences, different parts, working together to be and do something beautiful and great together. And I'm not saying that it isn't messy, and I'm not saying that it isn't hard. It's hard. It's super difficult. It's one of the most difficult things that I've ever done in my life. But it's worth it. But you've got to believe that it's worth it if you're really going to fight alongside your family, for your family, and not against your family. I'll close with some scenarios of us at our worst and the help that we receive from others of us that are at our best at that time. Because that's one of the amazing things about the body of Christ that I find so incredible is that none of us are all in the same exact place at the same exact time. That maybe, you know, I'm in a valley while Pastor Robert's on a mountain and he's there just trying to lift me up and encourage me. That we're going through different things. We're in different spaces and places right now in our spiritual walks. And God uses us and we go through different seasons. And there are peaks and there are valleys. But we're all not all in the valley all at the same time. There's somebody there in the body that's helping us and encouraging us. There's things that God does. And that's how he puts the body together to strengthen one another in the Lord. To encourage one another while it's still called today. To build hope. To give hope. And to run the race together as if we want to win. Like if you're in this relay race with me, I want to win this thing. I'm not running for second place. So the judgmental saint, anybody ever been a judgmental saint? Don't raise your hand. Just okay. Unless you're just really confessing right now and go ahead. Bless them, Lord. We've all been there. But the judgmental saint needs the gracious saint to show them a more beautiful way. The divisive saint, we've all been there, even if you don't want to admit it. The divisive saint needs the unifying saint to help them keep the main thing the main thing and not major on the minor thing. 
The adulterers need the pure at heart to call them into account and love them back into fellowship. The victims of adultery or abuse or wrongful divorce need compassionate saints to support them and assure them that they're not alone in this life. The bullied saint needs the justice-driven saint to stand up for them and stand between them and the bullies in their life. The poor, the impoverished saint needs the generous and compassionate saint to help lift them out of a financial desperate situation. And all the insecure, struggling, misfit saints need the kind-hearted saints to remind them that they are fearfully and wonderfully made and they are just as important to this unique, beautiful family of God as anybody else is. This is the kind of church that Jesus is coming back for. Still imperfect, but growing in Christ's likeness together because we're better together. God calls us individually, and then he makes us a part of a thriving community called the church. Because this isn't a side hustle. This isn't like what I give God with my leftover time in my week. It's not a small part of my leftover world because it's so personal that God called me out of darkness and saved me. It's so personal to me that I can't do anything but be a part of his family that he's called me to be a part of no matter how difficult and hard it can be at times. I say, Jesus, I'm yours and this family is yours and it's mine and this is who I'm going to do life with. I'm laying my life down for him as a part of his church. It's a both and. It's always been a both and. It always will be a both and. It's not just me. It's me and you. Together. Because we're better together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, with every head bowed and every eye closed, just let me pray right now that God would change us from the inside out. Maybe you're sitting there today and you're wondering, is this the family God's called me to be a part of? And, and I hope that it is. But I hope that you will today even say, God, I'm committed to you and I'm committed to your family. Thank you for making me a part of this spiritual family. For some of you in this room right now, there's some difficulties in your life and you need the body of Christ to rally around you. For the others of you in this room, there's a lot of great things going on in your life and God is using you to encourage someone, to pray for them, to send them a text, to help them out. Maybe it's financially, maybe it's physically and, and moving something. Who knows what it is, but God is using us and I am so grateful that we don't have to go through this life without his body. Lord, thank you. That through Jesus you made us one with you and with one another. Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for this spiritual family. And I ask God that you would continue to add to our number those that you're calling home. Maybe you're sitting here today, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. In this moment of prayer, whether you're sitting at your house or you're here, say, I confess that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Jesus, would you forgive me and come into my heart? And at that moment, you're adopted into a new family with the Father brothers and sisters called the body of Christ and you'll never be alone and you'll never be the same again Lord we love you come on church let's stand let's sing to Jesus right now let's declare that he is worthy of everything and we're grateful that he has made us a part of his family 
We worship you, Jesus. You have been listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We hope God met you right where you're at today. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a rating wherever you're listening from and visit infocuschurch.org for more on all that's going on in the life of our church.